So, um, I don't really know how to say this, but uh, I'm in China. Uh, and let me tell you this. I'm with – so, my buddy Nick invited me out here. He said he had something amazing to show me. <laughs> Nick, huh? Nick, yeah. Nick uh, – well, I don't want to say his real name. Let's just say Nick Earth. Um <laughs> And me and him have been going around to these different labs, and he's been showing me what he's been working on. And let me tell you what, it is amazing. I don't care what anybody says, but the future, uh, let me just say, Liz, Young Chomsky, I cannot wait for the future. What are you, what are you seeing? Well, a lot of microbes, uh, a lot of cells, et cetera. Um, definitely. I, so, you know, the, what's the little thing called where you look through it and it's like a little thing that it makes bigger in your eye? Microscope. 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 I've been doing a lot of scoping in the past couple (laughs) days. Now, I am not classically trained as a scientist or a doctor. But well, but are you? You did study virology, didn't you? Yes, yes, (laughs) and I yes, absolutely did. No, specifically HPV, and I have been. I I, you know I'm a I'm what they call philosopher king, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. And and being here among my people has I'm not talking about the Chinese though. No, no you're talking about being with your friend Nick. My friend Nick, uh, <laughs> and you know, there's a recent falling out with our friend Alec, Alex. Uh, we'll call him Alex Doogie, and uh, it's. <laughs> let me tell you, it's been weird, but I'm just I'm glad. How's America, guys? All right. So I, this is, that was funny, but also I am really happy you're not in China because they just closed the borders, Brace. Mm-hmm. Get out, Guilo. <laughs> they're, they're done, though. They're, yeah. So wait, their, their borders are done, right? I oh, mean, wait, no, borders Xi, are- no, Xi just closed them down. Yeah. I read that. What was the, why did he do that? Um, I think he's – well, why did he do it, like, publicly or why did he do it? Well, I have a feeling I know why he did it privately, right? Mm. I mean, they're talking about fear of infection coming from outside now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I Such- think that – I mean, I think some of it is, you know, just general clampdown. But also mm-hmm. there's, like, a – he's not very popular right now in China from what I understand. Yes. Wait, there's a guy named General Clampdown involved in this, too. <laughs> no. Um, I'm excited. I gotta say, I I, I hate with, along with a lot of these things that are going on. I don't they they make me feel bad uh, because they're scary. But it's futuristic to close the borders to China. It definitely feels like the future is moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds. I mean, you know, Orban closed the borders too, but that's not <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> oh my god! Hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> to Hungary? <laughs> oh my God! That man has never met a border he didn't like. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what—you you put me in Hungary. I'm trying to escape as soon as possible. No disrespect. Well, that's the, that's the thing that was actually funny because didn't you see the Ken Klippenstein story about the DH, or maybe you're the one who sent it to me about DHS sending troops to mm-hmm. the Canadian and the Mexican border? Yeah, and it's I, like I actually, Canadian. I know. 
amazing. Amazing. Are you afraid about like, people leaving? Yeah, exactly. Because Canadians aren't coming here because Canadians are sitting getting fat off of two thousand dollars a month. Well, the <laughs> poor American hears about some guy in, in Maine or whatever gets his twelve hundred dollar check, looks across the border, sees somebody driving around a Ferrari with <laughs> with twenty hundred dollar bills. It's just like the Ferrari full of health care. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I, I have a feeling that those troops will be. Um, what did the Soviet Union call internal border security? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's not just $1,200. Well, well, we'll get into We're going to talk about the bailout a little later mm-hmm. this week and kind of like walk through what's going on there. Um, should we say hello? I think so. Why, do, why, why don't you, you kick us off there, honey? Um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to True and On. I'm Liz. I'm Brace, and we are joined by Young Chomsky on mic because we have special little episode for you today called Q and A. Couldn't think of a clever name when I was just thinking of it right now. <laughs> Liz, you came up with True and A. I know, but we already called it that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, it's the second one. We second one of these we've done. Yeah, we got way more questions uh, <laughs> this time around. And a lot of you send some very dumb questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, stop. If You know who you are because it's almost all of you. Stop <laughs> asking me that. Wait, what are they asking you? I'm 5'10". Oh, my gosh. Get over this. It says it on my government-issued ID. <laughs> yeah, and as we know at Trunon, the government never lies. They lie about the big stuff to cover up the little stuff. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> they did whatever kind of line would make them not lying about this. Um, no, but I will say, you guys, man, you got some Dumbo questions out there. Uh, we will not be addressing any of the dumb ones. No, I'm sorry. I will not go. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I am addressing one dumb one, but it's just dumb to ask me this. And also the volume of people asking me this has been very dumb. But that'll be later in the show. <laughs> um, okay, so should we start it off? Well, so the first question I wanted to tackle was the question of adrenochrome. The question was, <laughs> did you get a hold of that adrenochrome? And if so, how was it? So as many of you know, we have been doing streams lately. Um, and and on the stream, I, I realized that I could not only purchase but also – uh, inject adrenochrome, synthetic adrenochrome, um, and and I and I and I and I made noises that I was going to. That still technically stands. As many of you know, I am sober uh, after after many years of um, being addicted to uh, steroids, and <laughs> I, I I did literally. I asked my sponsor if it was okay for me to take adrenochrome. He said no. He said if you have to ask that, the answer is no. But Wait, I feel did like you I'm, really ask him? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> but you want to know something weird? But so is I it texted a drug? Yeah, well, it's a, that's what I was like. It's, it's not a drug. It's more just like a, a chemical. Isn't it kind of like nature's it's – like it's like nootropics of like child blood. I mean, it's literally the way that Hillary Clinton has been able to live for 200 years. <laughs> so for yeah, those it's of you like – it's a nootropic. I, I mean, really I think know what we, that is. Actually. We explain it's I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> I, we explained this in our last last um 
podcast or last episode, but it is uh, it is a drug that is there's a lot more to it than this, but it is said to be made from the blood of children, correct? Mm. And uh, the rich and famous among us inject it to uh, for various reasons. It gives them super smarts. It gives them strength. It gives them longer life, etc. They do make synthetic adrenochrome, however. Um, but that's and, supposed to be not even – that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean I still want to try it just to see what it is, mm. you know? Because I, I don't want – a friend of the pod, I asked her about it, who's sort of our adrenochrome expert. Um, and she said not to try it because I'll get addicted. Really? Like a, yeah. She was like, don't even fuck with this synthetic stuff. Um, but – Wait, because I mean, you were looking into it, and you texted me the other night that there that one of the places where they make it, by the way, and this is sort of this goes into my little theories. You guys is in Wuhan. Yeah, actually, she was the one who I, I asked her about it, and then she immediately sent me that screenshot, and she was nice. like, "Don't do it." <laughs> I will, however, not be ordering Adrenochrome from Wuhan. I will be ordering, but so I texted. Uh, uh, I got this, that dude Hamilton Morris. About mm. this, the drug, my drug friend, and he writes me back the next day. He's like, "Was it on a TV show recently or something?" I've gotten three texts in the past twenty four hours about getting adrenochrome. No, yep, it's in there, guys. Well, you know him. He's you know his 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 his, his father's a Hollywood guy a little bit. So I'm like, who are those texts from? Interesting. But, yes. Uh, will you do it with me? Mm, I'm not really a drug person. You know. That. Again, yeah. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. I don't really want to, like, I don't think that's, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's, like, too real or something. Yeah. Maybe I'll just buy it and then uh, like, take look it when at I depress. It. No, no. I'm scared. <laughs> Someone message us and tell us, or I'll just ask our friend who knows about it. I'll do it. it. Yeah. You'll do You'll it? You'll do it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Will you do it instead of me? Um, okay. Wow. Like we could, so we're going to inject you with adrenochrome and then podcast about it. No, we're doing that on stream. Will it make me? Okay, that makes sense. Twitch stream. Will it make me stronger? Yes. Yes. No more questions. (laughs) Yes. It will absolutely make you stronger. Why do you think Hillary Clinton takes it? I mean, she, I don't think she's very strong. Yeah. Well, she could be a lot weaker. Right. Mm. It's a relative. Okay, next question. Uh, will the Biden sexual assault accusation change anything? Uh, so people that have been listening to this podcast probably already know that I identify as me too critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think that Me Too is um, anything more than a political weapon to basically be used against people. But I also don't think that it's a particularly effective one. It's all depending on the person and the circumstances and kind of the power play that's happening. Um, so, no, I do absolutely do not think that this will change anything with Joe Biden. Um, I, you know, I haven't even really seen, I think the one news outlet that even picked it up and took it seriously was Vox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe that changes that. in a couple of days, but I, I don't see how it would or why it would like what incentive 
just the media have in covering this? Or, or not incentive, but like what evidence literally during this entire election would tell us that they would would do anything to compromise the like any kind of establishment pick that's running against Trump. I'm I'm looking right now and it appears that alone among the outlets covering this does Vox is the sole uh like liberal one, I guess. Everyone else is like a reason and Washington Examiner National Review. Right. Um and I think that like it's I think a lot of people think this is going to be like a really big deal. Do they? But I think people are sort of hoping it is, mm. um, but it's 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 not gonna be. I mean, it's just like, you know, it, it, she could have picture proof, and it really wouldn't change. I mean, these are the same outlets that literally endorsed Hillary Clinton. You know, it's not like they don't care about. Like, I think yeah, people understand. I, it's like yeah. they don't care. Well, I also think it's like there's like two things going on, which is one that, again, Me Too is not an effective political weapon except for, I think, well, never mind. I won't say that. But it's like, um, you know, using it as a strategy didn't work with Kavanaugh. Why would you think it would work now? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. And second of all, the people you're trying to convince are mainstream Democrat voters, right? And the thing is, is that what they, because those are the people who support Biden. And the thing is, is the only thing that they care about is beating Trump. And you could say, like, this disqualifies him on, you know, ethical grounds, moral grounds, whatever. And they would say, but Trump's in the White House. Mm-hmm. It's like it He's, doesn't it doesn't work. And people already think Biden is kind of like creepy uncle. And that's like part of his weird, perverse charm, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. People like, like And I know this is like a, this allegation is like much more serious than like any kind of like joke about a creepy uncle. I'm not trying to minimize the claim being made. But I'm just saying like, you know, you have to kind of be realistic. Not realistic, or but like understand kind of the way the the things that you might find repulsive, like normie Democrats are actually like actually respond to in a weird way. Yeah. 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 That's actually, that's a good point. It's like, it's, it's not like they don't care. <laughs> like, like just be, like, I understand that like many of our listeners and, and myself find like rape, uh, sexual assault, whatever, re- like repulsive. Yes. And like, you know, morally unconscionable. Um, but like a lot of people kind of don't, <laughs> when they uh when it comes down especially to their own political uh group or whatever and and i think a lot of people are just going to sort of sweep this into like oh this woman misinterpreted something he did or like I, they just won't they just don't care like they're not going to care and i think putting i think a lot of people like are putting a lot of i don't know i think i think a lot of people like think this is going to be what sinks him but like i i guarantee you it's not you well, know? i also think yeah yeah I completely agree with you on that. And I hope that, you know, it. I don't think it should come to as a shock to any of our female listeners that, like, people don't give a shit about assault against women. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Maybe that's shocking to some men. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Newsflash, wake up. It's true. But um, I would also add that, like, I think a lot of people are 
pinning, and this is really misguided, you guys, are like pinning like their hopes on this idea that like you could somehow say to these like mainstream liberals, like, but you've been talking about me too oh, yeah, for four yeah. years. You're being a hypocrite. I got you. And it's like, one, you, you're not defeating them with logic and reason. You sound like a crazy dork. Two, it's not how people operate. People are hypocrites. People change their mind and people don't care. They have no reason to, like, this is all about power. It's not about Mm -hmm. being any, you know, anything else. They have no reason to respond to you. I think that, you know, a lot of people have been saying this for years, but it's really hard to internalize because it's a really depressing thought and it's really frustrating. But for so many people, politics is not ideological. It's not about ethics or morals. And it's not really, you know, especially for comfortable people, it's not about material needs. It's about aesthetics. It's about cultural narratives. And in the current moment, these people who are anti-Trump, it's about they think that he is not dignified, he is not classy, and they have decided that Biden is going to restore dignity to the office. And so none of these other principled moral arguments will penetrate that because it doesn't, it's not what it's about for them. Yeah, I would add that a key, I agree with that completely. And I would add a key component of that is that that is the base that the Democratic Party has cultivated and groomed for the last four years. They don't want people, they they literally, they don't want poor people who care about material issues like job security, health care, food for their kids. You know, this fucking pandemic really reveals a lot of that. And they want a middle class conservative base that they can shout to on television through MSNBC, which is just as much of a propaganda rag as anything that you think Fox News does. Shout to these people about orange man bad. The state of the republic is in shambles. We must return to law and order. Like they've totally cultivated that. And this is the electorate now that has basically fucked over what was, I think, a, you know, a, a really good shot in 2020 for Bernie Sanders. I oh, guess yeah. that's what I'll say. I mean, just to kind of close this out, it's, it's, it's telling how like, they how mad certain quarters are about like whatever Bernie giving the election in 2016 to Trump or whatever that kind of narrative. But then these people who literally actually in real life voted for Donald Trump, these like suburban women, uh, white women, you know, my favorite, my favorite uh, group, just just playing. I actually do love all women. <laughs> um, but like how those people are so like sought after now, right? And like mm. how that they're like the key. It became, it became like. You, you saw that sort of rhetoric changing, like, well, these people are like really because like, those are, uh, in some cases, big for Biden. Uh, you know, they switched from Trump or whatever, and so now they're like they're the most sought after electorate to these people. It's not like, yeah, it's all bullshit. That's the thing. That's the thing. If you've got to understand, it's all bullshit, right? All the shit, like, just don't listen to whatever they say. They're lying to you. They hate you. Don't ever play by their fucking rules. It's in, it's insane to think you can do it. Yeah, it's a loser's game. All right, so, yeah, why don't we move on from there to something a little bit lighter? Uh, how about, Liz, what lipstick were you wearing the last live stream? <coughs> it looked like a coral shade. Uh, great question. Uh, what was I wearing? Oh, oh, okay, two things. One, it's by St. Laurent, and 
uh, if you give me a minute, I will go uh, get up and look at it and tell you which one it was. Um, but also, it's not coral. It's red. And there's, I just have really bad lighting in the live Wait, stream. Is, is coral a color? Yeah, it's like kind of like a pinkish. That's not a shade that looks particularly good on me, I'm just going to say. Yeah, I, I would say my whole thing. So before we started podcasting, Liz actually wore black lipstick a lot of the time. That's and this not sort of white face paint that I thought was really becoming. Uh, unfortunately, it appears that she has ceased doing that. But I I'm going to try to get her to do that. You again. met when she was doing that whole Suicide Girls thing, right? <laughs> no, don't even. No, no, no. I was doing that. Okay. So here's one. Are Ghislaine's Maxwell sisters also in on the whole thing? Uh, the twins. The twins. I would well, say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this sounds like this person has not listened to all of our episodes because we actually did a really, some say it's their favorite episode, a little dive uh, into the Maxwell sisters, Christine and Isabel. And their various ties to, um, let's just say, intelligence and also, uh, you know, weird uh, cult ritual sex magic organizations. <laughs> so yeah. you should actually... It's not my job to educate you because I already did in a previous episode <laughs> and you should listen to it. I will say that they have like of the whole family, of course, stemming from the father uh, has Robert Maxwell has very extensive ties to the Epstein country of Israel. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, there's a lot of rumors that that Ghislaine is 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 in a little hidey hole there. Um, and if she is, I'm sure her sisters know about it. Uh, one of her sister's friends has been wilding out on Twitter, too, about it, uh, specifically against Virginia Maxwell. Um, Virginia Jeffrey. Me, uh, Virginia Jeffrey. Jesus Christ. D I did not mean that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're guilty as hell. My, my dad actually knew Isabel Maxwell's, I believe, ex-husband uh, and, and, and was, was not friends with him but knew him slightly and, I believe, partied with him. In the 70s. Uh, however, that relationship um, was ended before the Maxwell sisters enter the picture. Yeah, this is not going to help your case with not being a CIA agent, Bruce. I just don't understand. If I'm a CIA agent, what is my mission? What am I going for? You're, okay. Your mission. chaos agent? First of all is to, yes, you're a chaos agent, disinformation. Mm-hmm. Spamming the masses. Okay. Well, and I'm your enough. handler. Yeah. You do handle me well. <laughs> you're a honeypot. Uh, I'm not honeypotting. Yeah. You're uh, getting all the all those broads who DM you and send you their their titties and social security numbers, etc. <laughs> okay. I assume. Next question. What equipment does Young Chomsky use to make his beats and tunes? Well, uh, so I addressed this on the live stream, uh, which you should all tune into the all the, the streams. But uh, yeah, so my approach is I I make all my tracks with uh, hardware these days. So I know some really 
great musicians, electronic producers who, who take a software approach, which is what I would recommend if you're just starting out. Um, you're trying to get your start, I would download Reaper or you can use GarageBand, any kind of plugin host. And there's all kinds of great free plugins um, that you can use to just, just get going. But I like hardware because it's like no distractions. I'm not looking at my email. And I like to put my hands on something when I'm working and it's tactile and it's responsive. So I use an Electron Digitact as my sequencer. And then I have um, a, a few other synths. And I have a studio apartment, so I need to have things that are small. Um, so I have a Prophet 6 module, a Base Station 2, and then I have two Roland boutiques. I have the Juno 6 um, boutique and the SH-101 boutique, and then a couple Strymon pedals. So, yeah, that's pretty much my setup. But um, I, I record to the computer when I go to record and mix, but when I am developing ideas, it's all, all in the hardware sequencer. Hope that nice. helps. Yeah. It's a good setup. Yeah, it's fun. It, it lets me kind of um, ideate quickly, if you will. <laughs> okay, um, how about... What are the chances of Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, and or Bezos having an Epstein connection? Another question that should not have been asked, because we have <laughs> long ago dealt with this. Jeff Bezos, well, uh, Jeff Bezos and, and Zuckerberg hung out with, who was the third person they asked about? Um, uh, Elon Musk, maybe? I mean, he was there too. So Jack Dorsey. Oh, Jack Dorsey. No, Jack Dor- Jack Dorsey doesn't get to fucking hang out with these guys. Isn't Jack Dorsey just like on a hill somewhere in Africa? Yeah, Jack Dorsey is like, uh, he is a such a, fu- he's like an ex-like guy that he like, 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 he was like a bright eyes, like emo Tumblr poetry. Guy. Like that guy's not getting, I'm sorry. Like if that guy's talking to underage girls, they're like 15 year old girls that fucking love Elliot Smith or something. It's not like, he's not like hanging out with Bezos, drinking baby's blood. Uh, but no, uh, Bezos and, and Elon Musk and Zuckerberg were at the billionaires dinner, uh, in, I believe Santa Monica, California with Jeffrey Epstein in 2011. There are some pictures. And by the way, that is of course, long after his initial conviction for soliciting prostitution for a child, uh, from a child. Um, there, uh, there are pictures of it. Uh, one of which I actually just posted on our little, or excuse me, I just had my, uh, a good friend of mine post on our Twitter account. Um, but uh, it is it is the pictures are really funny because there's one of Jeffrey Epstein sitting next to just a massive man in dreadlocks, and it's just like <laughs> I really like the idea of Epstein. He's looking at the back of his head, and Epstein watching this dumb fucking nerd talk for like an hour and a half, and just like seeing his dreadlocks bob up and down in this goddamn restaurant. But of course, yeah, no, Bezos is Bezos is more of the Anthony Weiner thing, right? He likes texting. <laughs> I mean, I think Bezos, yeah, Bezos was at a couple dinners, I think, too. Also in the, wasn't he at the, uh, one of the Edge dinners? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think he was. At, in the, the Edge the, conference again, that's the, that's the um, kind of like post-human, transhumanist, uh, science, act. technology conference that Epstein was kind of like a key 
key uh, leader of yes. and organizer of uh, that he you know would be on Little St. James or in the Bahamas, etc. And remember, this is a 100% non-transhuman podcast. <laughs> None of us have any body mods. Uh, I do not have a cybernetic nipple that emits digital milk. I only have my ears pierced. Yeah, I don't well, even have any tattoos. To be fair, I well, so all right, Liz. You know, I got all my tattoos in prison, and I'm not actually. It's like it's just a gang thing. It doesn't actually mean anything. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's not. None of us are getting. I, I know. I know some things about some powerful people and some body modifications they have made that I cannot, unfortunately, say on the podcast. But one day <laughs> when I relapse, I will. Is circumcision not considered body modification? No, no. Uh, it's just, it's just a. Uh, well, if you get it from a moil, it's just a blowjob gone terribly wrong. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, this is a good one. Should I be wearing a mask to get groceries? Seeing conflicted information on masks, mm-hmm. also want to know if homemade masks are okay. I would say if you have them, yes. Yeah, I think. Look, people are gonna get mad at me, but um, I think it's total bullshit. The kind of like weird propaganda op that the US media has done on Americans to get them to not not wear masks um or gloves personally like i actually i wear gloves too um like when i go to the grocery store which i try not to do very often um but i i absolutely would wear a mask if you have it i would even say like wear a bandana that's the whole point is like one it'll get you to not touch your face which is important and you just want to have like some kind of barrier. Like even a surgical mask isn't going to like stop a, the virus from like penetrating the mask, but mm-hmm. it's going to help. Like yeah, for if, sure. if someone's like around you. And I think this idea, it's like, look, everyone in Japan and China has been wearing masks and gloves for fucking years. But no, us Americans, who, by the way, have maybe the worst response ever of all the countries to this pandemic, mm-hmm. we're the ones who know better. So we shouldn't wear masks and gloves. Come on. It, it's totally ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I, I, so I have uh, a little box, not a large one, or of, of surge, of, excuse me, of N95 masks. I wear them and I reuse them too, because even mm. though you're not supposed to, it's like, again. They say you can actually. You can well, like re sterilize them. Oh, well, perfect. Um, but I I, I, I I, have been doing that, like wiping them down and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was a lie. When they told you that it wouldn't help, they were lying to you because, well, there's a variety of reasons they could be doing that, some darker and some lighter, you could say. Um, but I, absolutely, I, I, I wear them. I mean, the thing is, if you look at the response to, to COVID-19 in other countries, you see like people in, in full protective gear on the streets, sterilizing the streets. That is not what is happening in America. Yeah. Um, And you should be asking maybe why that isn't happening in America. I mean, Um, like, I'll say I know that I'm, like, crazy, but, like, yeah, I I wear gloves, like, at the grocery store. I don't buy any loose produce. Or if I have to, then I make sure to, like, properly, really, really properly clean it when I get home. Because you just don't know what anyone has touched. And you really, like, you guys, you don't want to get sick. And I think the other idea with the mask use, too, that I've heard people saying is that it's you can see it as something you do for other people, uh, even if they say you know that it may not protect you from getting the disease. You could, in theory, have it, 
and you not know it, right? But if you're wearing mm-hmm, the mask, exactly. you're preventing it from spreading from you to other people. So it's pro-social behavior um, to wear the mask and keep yourself from spreading anything you might have and not realize uh, to those around you. Absolutely. Okay. Opinions on Max Stirner and Ugh. egoism as a whole. I believe this is for you, Brace. It is bullshit. And if you see anybody, <laughs> it's just it's just horseshit. Here's the thing about all that fucking esoteric garbage. Okay, wait, can you, you wait before you get there? Can uh-huh. you explain to our listeners who and what we're talking about? Max Stirner was a uh, a contemporary of Karl Marx, and egoism is is sort of his ideology that he came up with that makes zero fucking sense. <laughs> zero sense. And There's anybody, a reason why a lot of people maybe haven't heard of it. Yes, I I have I have literally I have read the book. I have read the ego on its own, like five years ago. And you know what? It fucking sucked. And Marx thought the same thing. Marx destroyed Max Stirner. He he practically killed the guy. But it's all about this individualism and this like, you must must go through this self-real... It's hippy-dippy bullshit. But Mm. people like, because there's a cool... I think Engels did like a cool drawing of Stirner... People think it's like that he's like cool or something or like a like a scamp, but no, it's fucking it's garbage. It's basically it's it's new atheism mm-hmm. for guys who fucking uh, are like too embarrassed to do like the little circle A anarchy thing. It's and like it's instead like, of a fedora, they're wearing like a, a little like you know Lenin cap or whatever, but. It, it's like the same person. No, they literally also do wear fedoras. Oh no! The most, the most, uh, yeah. There was a, there was a, there was, yeah. There, I've seen these people uh, mostly on the internet. I've never met one of these cretins before in my life. But it's like, no, this is just, this is, this is the, this is when when they talk about the poverty of philosophy, uh, they're talking about Sterner. I feel like if your geology could like, dr- like pushes you to wear a black fedora, something has gone horribly wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you should, uh, well. Yeah, it's just like self-actualization, <sighs> total like nonsense. Yeah, it's just nonsense. Nonsense. It and has if, absolutely no political character to it whatsoever. If you, be, if you ask me about this again, I will find your email address and I will unsubscribe you from our Patreon and I will ban you from our free episodes. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking into- Do not ask me about this again. I've been trying to figure out how to ban people from listening to this podcast pretty much since we started doing it. And one day yeah. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to develop that technology. Right. Okay, uh, next question. As an ex-junkie, wondering when the quarantine will violently intersect with the opioid crisis- Oh, that's uh, already happening. I mean, all the all the legal ports of entry are basically like where most of the drugs come in from. Uh, and now that those are much more difficult to get through, uh, we're going to start seeing like a dope shortage soon. All kinds of dope. Mm, interesting. Meth heads, I think you guys will be all right. <laughs> so if there's any guys out here. Yeah, that's homegrown some- American. Yeah. Andrew Gillum, if you're listening. Uh, you will have, I'm sure once you get out of rehab and relapse within a week, because your wife is like, why were you fucking that prostitute? Dude, he um, could get Corona and rehab though. Dude. I, so I, I posted a picture of Andrew Gillum butt naked with a blurred penis on. Yeah. It was like in the daily mail. Yeah. I posted it 
on a locked Twitter account that I use to uh, write snarky things under Donald Trump, but I don't want anyone to see them. Uh, I posted it, and literally the second I posted it, my account was locked for a week. Dude, that's so weird because people post dick pics all the time. Yeah. No, so what happened was Gillum's people, they're Democrats or somebody, contacted Twitter and were like, if you if your algorithm catches anyone posting this picture, you have to ban them. No way. Should I post it? I have some my account's pretty big. Don't post it. You're gonna get you're gonna get locked out. I know, but it would be like a good I've never solidarity. been yeah, good solidarity move. Don't do it. You you only got a few chances. You don't want to you don't want to waste them on Gillum. I've never I've never had a talking to by Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's ask why did Bernie vote for the bailout? Um, a bunch of people are asking this. Wait, but read it okay. verbatim. Why did why did Bernie vote for bailout? Why did Bernie vote for bailout? <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think that part of the problem, first of all, I mean, I'm of the mind that it should have been rejected. I mean, I, I think that like the way that they, again, we're going to, you know, talk about this um, in an episode that we're, we're, gonna, we're recording this weekend, going over the, the bailout and what's going on with the Fed and the kind of like different um, economic responses to the pandemic. But... You know, it, basically, it's creating a insane. Maybe, maybe people have heard creating a, a huge slush fund that basically will be controlled uh, completely and totally by Mnuchin and, of course, then Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That basically cannot be FOIA'd and will not be released to the public. What's done with it for like a year is completely Amazing. unprecedented power. He, I mean. Steve Mnuchin might be the most powerful um, secretary of the Treasury in history with this power. I mean, it's completely unprecedented. And that's not even getting into then, you know, all the other all the other kind of balance sheet stuff that's a little funny. But um, so I, I think that, like, the Democrats were in a very odd position where... I think that, of course, like a lot of them wanted this, but also they probably did not want to be on the end of holding up any kind of stimulus package because they mm-hmm. would just get completely torn to shreds for it. Bernie Sanders tried to use it as leverage to make sure, and you know, it was successful to make sure that the un- the increased unemployment benefits, which is really the important part of the package, uh, is you know like stayed in there because the Republicans in the Senate threatened to like completely rip that out of the bill, which was like so fucking hilarious. Um, So I think he voted for it because he wanted those, those benefits to pass. And I also think, look, like (laughs) they're in a difficult spot because this is not a crisis. And again, I, you know, I don't want to like spoiler alert, but like what we're facing is not a crisis that is similar in, in any way, I think, to 2008. This is not a crisis that started on Wall Street, and so there's no way to, like, let one bank fall or just let the banks fall or not bail out the insurers. Like, what we're talking about is dueling crisis of supply and demand, a crisis in labor, a complete crisis that's, you know, a possible 
who knows, liquidity crisis brewing. And so it, it's, it's a completely different monster than, than what we've seen before, I believe. Um, so they're in a tough position. So that's why he voted for it, if that makes sense. I would not have. Well, yeah, but you're also not a senator. I mean, he not probably anymore. felt he had to. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, I mean. I mean, he's also, look, I also am like, you know, look, I don't want to, look, I put on Twitter that Bernie shouldn't have voted for it. So don't get it twisted on how I'm trying to explain this or like what my personal opinions are. But it's also like, I'm sure there's a calculation of like, I'm on TV all the time trying to help manage this crisis Mm -hmm. and the entire news cycle will be, why did you vote against workers getting unemployment? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In in the same way that they attack him for everything, you know, it was like when he voted against the Iran sanctions, all they said was, why are you voting against sanctions for Russia? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they still ask him that. I know. It's total bullshit. Those sanctions, by the way, which, you know, not helping that poor country right now. (laughs) Not at all. I think, Liz, you got, you're up next. Oh, okay. Um... Here we go. Seems like you guys were starting to transition out of the Epstein extended universe even before coronavirus. Hmm. But now that drift has accelerated. I could listen to you guys talk about any subjects. Thank you very much. So I'm wondering what topics would you guys like to explore in future episodes? Um, I would just want to say that I don't really think we were leaving the Epstein extended universe. But I also have a very broad definition of the Epstein extended universe. Well, I think it's weird because people like think that like we are, I mean, probably because of some stuff I've said as well, but like that we're like solely a podcast about Jeffrey Epstein, but it's always been about like the world that he's in. Right. Mm. Like it's like about him and his, these are all his fucking boys anyways, you know, like all the people that we talk about on here, are like literally in some cases friends with him. So it's yeah. like it's we've all- always we've always said that Epstein is a way to kind of or like a doorway or entry point into understanding larger institutions and systems of power. And I will say that like, you know, um this pandemic is really revealing the poverty of a lot of these institutions that we rely on and that these people had, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a podcast about understanding power and throwing down with your boys. Um, yeah, and also, but like in terms of episodes we want to do in the future, um, so the way we do episodes, I know we've explained this before, is that we, we write like a lot of notes and we like try to study very hard. I mean, we know a lot of this stuff, but we try to have everything like very down. And so some of the bigger ones take a little while, but we are definitely doing 9-11 part three soon, uh, which I'm very excited for. Uh, yeah, we don't even know how many parts that series is going to be. Yeah, I didn't want to say the final part, even though that, that would feel satisfying to say. I doubt that is going to be the final part because I don't likely- want, I want to leave it all open ended. Nine eleven yes. is such a great thing to return back to. Yes. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like the Never Star forget, Wars saga. I mean, every every year I come back to it on the eleventh. <laughs> uh, but it's for other ones I want to do. I mean, we're going to talk about. Uh, I, I still want to talk to Tom O'Neill about chaos and that sort of Manson thing. Um, 
I have some more esoteric ideas that I don't really want to share on air uh, that we can do. Yeah, but- I think one thing that, um, and I think people would be interested in this, I think. But one thing I've kind of thought about is, it's similar to the way that we're doing this like 9-11 series, is doing one about the 2008 crisis. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people don't understand, I mean, no, through no fault of their own, but like just weren't or weren't like, you know, really paying attention to what was going on. And I think that like, again, a lot of this fallout that we're seeing, like literally every day right now facing this pandemic are, you know, you can attribute a lot of this stuff to what happened in 2008. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously not the health crisis, but, you know, in terms of you know, what's going on with Wall Street and the Fed. And yeah, a friend of the pod, Anton Yeager, said something really troubling today, which was, are the central banks the new subjects of history? Which is like <laughs> the one of the most like depressing, um, I don't know, Hegelian turns I can think of. Well, I want to say to that, my people, the Jews, uh, who did communism, in the 20th century. Unfortunately, we have found ourselves as the revolutionary subject in the 21st century because we also run the central banks. <laughs> so my very, apologies to the goys. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> All right. What do we got next? Yeah, this question seems um, to jump off of that one. Uh, this says, the actors largely responsible for the 2008 financial crisis aren't in prison and were even further absolved of their culpability in retellings of the crisis like The Big Short. Now the 2020 crisis is happening, is the same shit just going to happen again? Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't think... Yeah, I, um, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but... My sense is that what we're witnessing is some, like I just said, something that we're, what we're witnessing is something very of like not just different character, but different scale of 2008, yeah. which is maybe hard for people to kind of think about. I, I, you know, I was like sitting the other day on my stoop and I was like bugging out because I have a really hard time, like in my head, making shape of what's happening. Yes, and of there's course. like total glass half full scenario here, by the way, optimistic take is that four months of people on, you know, again, you know, highly increased unemployment benefits, by the way, yeah, uh, that, that it's like a, you know, that it's like Christmas, it's a vacation. (laughs) And then they somehow, you know, we rally and figure out how to kind of come back from that in a stable place. There's totally, that version that we could be seeing. Um, I like to think of that. I don't know if that's really what's what's going to happen because I think that this is not just, um, you know, this is not just a national crisis. Like there's a global, there are like, there's a twin global supply and demand shock happening. And it's, you know, it's it's something that we just really haven't seen ever. Um, so I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I, yeah, I don't I don't either. I mean, you know, my whole thing is that like I, I like to study the present so I can try to determine the future so it's less weird. Um, <laughs> but it is it is rather difficult to sort of see what what shape things are going to take. I mean, I've been talking about 
a lot about how we're like in motion right now and how that's like really confusing and, and frightening for a lot of people, but we are still in motion. It has not ended. Things have not settled. Um, so I can't say yet. I will say nobody really ever gets in trouble. So I feel like a lot of people might Certainly not, get, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. So I feel like unless, I mean, that, my, you, my main motive in life is revenge. Mm. <laughs> and so obviously that, that's that, not true. I would say that's one of my main motives. Mm. Um, but it is, uh, we'll have to see. Basically we'll have to see. I'll know more in a month. <laughs> that yeah that's what's so i mean again like i was like bugging yesterday just watching stuff happen and kind of looking at the markets respond and the unemployment numbers and just being like holy shit yes like i don't i mean i don't want to freak anyone out but like we're staring down 30 percent unemployment and like a q2 20 to 30% drop in GDP. Yep. Like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's worse than the great depression. I know that's, that's what's so amazing to me is like, we're watching this. It's again, it's like this wave coming on and like, we're going to have to, I mean, brothers and sisters, I'm out there, out there. I'm with you, but it is, it yeah. is going to be a wild ride. Yeah, definitely. And just because it's not, I mean, just because fucking DoorDash is still delivering right now, things are going to get weird. Yeah. Like, don't think that they're not because of that. But it's okay as long as you're ready for it, you know? Exactly. Uh, I think it's my turn to ask a question now. Yeah. Sure. Why not? I believe uh, this is an easy one. Okay. Why didn't Facebook, Pornhub, and all these tech companies have thousands of masks lying around to donate? Because I saw a lot of oh this is yeah, no a lot of people on Twitter were asking this too. Like, wait a second! Like, it's a like ding, 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 siren, 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 conspiracy. But unfortunately, but no, yeah, that's no. not true. Um, all of the tech companies, you know. So I don't know if people know this, but people in California definitely do, and probably in the Pacific Northwest, that um, there were massive wildfires here, like just last year. Uh, to the point where, it, you know, there were basically like shelter and home oh, orders yeah. because of how because of how dangerous it was to be outside unless you had an N95 mask, which is why a lot of people in California still have them, including the companies. Yeah, I heard that there was some kind of like uh, OSHA regulation that was instated with, you know, since then, like within the past two years about requiring them to have those masks on hand. Mm, that would make sense. Yeah. Now, if you want to ask me about the automatic weapons that Facebook revealed <laughs> that they had alongside the masks, okay, I can talk to you about that. But no, Facebook is just like uh, predicting what kind of um, like TV show you're going to like in two years and monitoring every single word you say to your loved ones. They they don't the mask stuff. That's just so that their little drones can go to work. No disrespect. That just reminded me of like. I mean, this is just a side note that's not really related. But you know how people bug out and are like, what's going to happen when all the tech companies like become super cyberpunk um, surveillance on us or whatever? And it's like, dude, they already are. But they just sell it. It's just all advertising that they care about. Yeah, they just have like people blowing kazoos in their ad. But, like, dude, they know everything about you. Like yeah, but everything. But they're they're such little worms that all they do is like sell it for pennies to like you know fucking 
like skinny tea companies. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're gonna let, let, let me be clear. When I finally run Jeff Bezos's campaign for Senate and then for the president of the United States, actually he wouldn't do Senate first. He would just go straight to president. Um, things will change. But until I get that opportunity, it's just they're just looking at everything you do and selling it. <laughs> uh, and monitoring you if you're doing something rotten. But most of you guys are just going to work. And don't tell me if you're not. Uh, Liz, it's your turn. Okay. How does Paul Krugman not have an Epstein connection? He certainly looks like he would. The Krug. The Krug. Okay, wait. So what's funny is... Um, okay, Paul Krugman, by the way, strikes me as like a total dweeb in a way where it's like not even dweebs like Jeff Bezos are going to invite him to parties. Like he just seems like kind of like sad sack to me. But what's funny is there was like a really... <laughs> Do you remember when he tweeted, like, how do I get child porn off my computer? Yes. I helped him with that. He had a, they call that an Eichenwald moment. <laughs> it was so funny. And it was obviously someone was just like fishing. There was like an email fish or something. Oh, totally. Like someone being like, you have, child, you have 24 hours. Like there's child porn on your computer. You got to send me a Bitcoin. Yeah, totally. I do but- those all the time. Um, and old man Krugman like fell for it and started tweeting about how someone had hacked into his computer and was threatening him with child porn or something. Classic. Everyone always really thinks good. they're being hacked. I, I don't understand. Why would you even look? I don't even look at my email. Why would you ever <laughs> look at your email? What's in there? It's like getting a phone call. It's just somebody is mad at you or a bill. I'm hey. not going to answer either of those. Or, pff, like you never get mad at me. You text me. That's true. And then we then we call. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I like, I kind of find it endearing, but that's cause you know, I'm all about boomer core. So I find mm-hmm. it endearing when it, when olds like don't, don't know about what's going on with the technology and the you inside that, the computers. You know that people think that about us, right? Yeah. But that's cause we kind of play it up. They did I say literally don't. targeting close associates. Yeah. 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 I, I, just, I, I I like I like literally did vote for Joe Biden after I realized he was old and didn't know how to use computers. <laughs> I'm talking about when I don't know I when Josh Marshall posted the porn of Angeline Strawberry. Sorry, deep cut. Oh yeah, I jacked off to it immediately. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. Well, I'm sorry. It was a cultural touchstone at the time. I, actually, we titled an episode that a while ago, didn't we? Didn't we call it Target- Angeline Strawberry? No, we called it targeting close associates because that was his tweet. <laughs> Sorry, I just All have a right. whole file of like shit like that in my brain. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Liz, you seem to have such a complete theory of the EU, which I don't quite understand. I've been living in Spain for two years now, and I still don't know what's so bad about the EU and how it's different from the American population's impression of the EU. What's the story there, please? Um, I mean, I don't think that I have like a complete theory of the EU. I'm just, like, not a fan of the EU. I mean, I think that, like, uh, you know, I... Talk about the nation. What? Talk about nations. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I just, I think I share in the same kind of, you know, traditional left criticism of the EU, which is that, you know, it's a completely, um, you know, it's an organization, it's a, a supranational organization designed to completely limit democratic and popular sovereignty. 
And in Correct. fact, it's a it's a total impediment to that, which you're seeing right actually right now with the pandemic is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Like just yesterday, you know, basically the north, meaning Germany, is holding euro bonds over, you know, over the heads of, you know, Spain and Italy who are in a very, you know, extremely bad situation with the pandemic, not to mention just in general, their economies. Right. And Germany basically saying, no, we, we, we don't want to, we don't want to help them. We don't want to help them. And this is oh, yeah. the problem is that you cannot have, you know, you can't have an, uh, um, a union like that. You can, you know, you can't have like, uh, you know, a currency union without a monetary union. Right. Like there has to be a total ab absorption uh, or, you know, mutualization of all of those countries debts. But that's not what it is. And they and then and they, you know, they won't do it because Germany is the one who runs the game and Germany doesn't want to, you know, doesn't doesn't want to share. I mean, that's really what it is. Um there's no way for the Spanish people or the Italian people to get their government back without leaving the European Union. And by government, I mean without having any kind of future where they can control their economies and get them in any kind of working order without being a slave to Germany and Brussels. That's the thing. It is a banker's cartel, right? Yeah. And like we saw – like I don't see how – I mean – you know, no disrespect to the questioners, but I don't. I don't see how anyone could see what happened in Greece. Uh, yeah, and and ever think that the EU could be any any sort of force for good. Here's the thing: it is bankers internationalism. We're really it's just like certain rich people. It's not even all the bankers, um, but it is it is internationalism for the rich. And it's like, okay, yeah, you get freedom of movement, but like Jesus fuck, it's just it's 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 poor little Europe trying to become another pole in a multipolar world. When I'm sorry, sorry, still China, baby. Look, one little stop, virus. Stop trying to make the EU happen. It's like not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not. It's never. It's if you do. By the way, by the way, a United States of Europe idea is not a left wing idea. In fact, well, although some left wing people have called for it, uh, but the current form of it is a descendant of the Third Reich. Yeah. So. My brothers and sisters, hola to you Spaniards. Uh, Ohi? Or uh, I think that's just no. Whatever to you Greeks. Hello to Europeans. You are living in the Fourth Reich. Uh, <laughs> and my, my greatest apologies to you for that. However, it is true. Yeah, if you guys want to read a good book about this, um, there's a great book by Thomas Fozzi and Bill Mitchell called Reclaiming the State that is um, – quite robust. I mean, it's not not completely about the EU, although it draws on a lot of critiques um, of the EU. But uh, yeah, there is no like, there is no vehicle for even social democracy, let alone anything else in in a united Europe. Like there's just no vehicle for it. Sorry. And you're not going to like, Again, you don't move the IMF left. You don't move Brussels left. These are like structural impediments to any kind of popular sovereignty. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a long history there. Sorry, I'm just getting my notes out because mm. I've been writing a few notes about this. The first organization to call for it was the Pan-European Union. And yeah. guess 
who was the vice president of that? That would be Archduke Otto von Habsburg. You're living in a friend half of the pod. Habs- <laughs> friend of the pod. You're living in a half Habsburg, half Hitler dream. That's what you're living in. And it's they usually, any- you know, those they don't like mixing blood. <laughs> oh no, they don't. Them Germans are still in charge. And I'm sorry, you can pay, you can you can give Israel as many naval vessels as you want, but uh, there'll never be enough reparations for me until, well, until you bring back the, the DDR, really. But like, it's <laughs> it's not, no, not happening. Important question for Brace, is the PKK involved in the drug business? This is written in all caps, so I assume this is an important question. Listen, <laughs> in the course of my life, I have sold many things, mostly my labor, but often flowers. And it's, it's, you know, we all got to work to survive. Is the PKK involved in the drug business? Absolutely not. But do smugglers sometimes have to pay tariffs to the PKK in order to move to their territory? Perhaps so. Now, it, it, I'm sorry. If you're fighting a guerrilla war against a basically fascist state, you're going to need some money. All right. Sorry. So they're not involved in the drug business. They're not like, you know, they're not taking mu- they're not they're not selling dope on the street corner or nothing. Uh, but they are uh, they are they are a group that, you know, there's a lot of smugglers move to their territory and sometimes you take money from them. I don't know what to tell you. That's interesting. I didn't know any of that. Oh, I can tell you all. Well, the Turks always try to set them up like they're this big drug dealing organization, but it's really like I mean, drug. You want to talk about Erdogan's sons? We are not talking about drug dealing. No, it, it's it's just like wait, really? There's a lot. Yes, uh, and just dealing all sorts of illicit stuff, oil, etc. Um, mm. Yeah, in fact, it's funny because Turkey actually sells oil to Israel, and like still currently does. So, like, no matter how many like you know fiery things that Erdogan sends off about uh, Gaza or anything like that, like the Turks are literally in unmarked vessels. Taking tur- oil from from Iraqi Kurdistan, which is not the PKK, taking cor- oil from the Barzani family, moving it in a pipeline through Turkey and through Iraq uh, to the to the to the sea there to the Mediterranean, and is it is uh, taken down to Israel via unmarked ship. Um, so yeah, that is that is I believe the more major thing. The PKK often blow up sections of the part line, uh, the pipeline though, so it is not um, not the most reliable way to get your gas. I love when you talk about the Middle East. Dude, I, Middle East fucking rocks. <laughs> okay, this is a good question. Um, what does the future look like for live music, specifically for gig musicians or folks who haven't achieved mainstream success? It was already tough to survive as an artist pre-pandemic, and I'm worried they can't even get back to that baseline. I don't know, I might be blackpilled. Well, welcome to the club. I might be wrong about seeing the revival of live shows after crisis mode ends. Just tell me the music can't die, please. Oh, well, Young Chomsky, you want to you want to take tackle that first? Uh, this person called me Young Chomsky first of all, so I'm uh, respect for that. I don't I don't <laughs> know what that means. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like really heavily involved in the touring circuit right now, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. You know, certainly there's uh, th- this slice of the economy that is growing right now, right? Where it's all your like your work from home, your streaming services, and in some sense, in some way, it's gross, right? Like Zoom is profiting from this, um, but 
on the other hand, look, we need those tools. And I've seen musicians who are doing live streams and remote concerts and artists are always going to be clever and creative and, and find a way. You know, I think in, in a lot of ways, uh, we're, we're going to feel the, the effects of this for a really long time. We're not going to go 100% back to normal. As to like, what are, what's going to be the future of concerts? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm sure that we're going to have live shows again. Um, I, I, I feel like live music will return in some form. Um, we had we had live performances scheduled that we have rescheduled, and it's it's uncertain whether we're going to do some kind of live streamed thing. You know, who knows? It's all very up in the air, and whether that's like depressing or kind of this exciting new frontier, I guess depends on your perspective. Um, there's going to be some people that are making money from it. There's a lot of musicians I know that are like super hurting, um, just to put another wrinkle to it. Like I know there's a ton of people who work as like touring roadies and techs and stuff like that, who basically are not even musicians. They're behind the scenes and they are just like losing their entire income. And there are some GoFundMes and stuff you can donate to. Also, some of those people are putting out stuff on Bandcamp and, and doing stuff right now because they they plan their lives around, like, they have a season where they tour, and then they have an off-season where they expect not to, and, like, their whole season is canceled. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I can't really lead, read the tea leaves any better than that. Um, I think that eventually live music's going to happen again, but I know a lot of people are having their their livelihoods disrupted. And so we definitely, if we can, should be looking for ways to support them in the meantime, uh, buy their music online, um, donate, do whatever you can, um, because it's, it's really hard when that's how you make your living. Yeah, I think like my big fear is that, and this is kind of across the board and something we've talked about on the podcast, is that like the basically what's going to be like left in the wake of, this pandemic is the only people that are going to be able to afford to like buy up the kind of like hollowed out industries are going to be like massive, massive monopolies. Mm. Uh And that is, that is golden voice, baby. I mean, maybe not even live nation. You're talking, I mean, I don't know. Amazon buying live nation. I mean, it's like, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just going to be a further and further monopolization. And I, you know, I was talking to a friend about Hollywood with this actually, because they think it's a really interesting, um, I don't know. I think there's like, you know, the studios were already pretty much in crisis uh, and facing further monopolization. Now, you know, people, are they going to go back to movies? Are they just going to watch them at home? Like, how are movies being made? Sets can be completely, I mean, that's, talk about job loss. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, also ancillary kind of cascading uh, effects from that. Like, so it's it's very easy to see a future where, okay, Amazon and Netflix are the only two studios that now control Hollywood, mm-hmm. and maybe they want different contracts with their workers, and suddenly we're looking at like a studio system that looks more like it did in the 30s or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, There's so many um, bizarre scenarios to do with the arts, too, because... Like this person with their question brings up, like the question of like public space is like so important to that. I wonder if there's a version where 
there are there are ways for like more like basically like poor like more poor people to make art in this way like because there's it there's you know like um you know so many museums are going to close right so many museums oh, yeah. and galleries are just never going to reopen again and you know the art scene has you know which is just you know the art market is so insane and it's all just bourgeois nonsense there's no real i, I don't know i mean i don't need to get into it but like I wonder if there's an opportunity there for like, I don't know, a little bit of a rebirth because rich people are not going to want to be in public spaces and maybe poor young people aren't going to give a fuck. You know what I mean? That's, that's something like I I've been thinking about a lot is, 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 I mean, depending on the length, but even, even if it just ended now, I think the sort of weird trauma that people are going to have for this, that they're not going to want to go out. So like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we rescheduled those shows in New York for June, like mid June, I think who fucking, you know, your yeah. guess is as good as mine. If that's going to happen. I don't know. Um, I would love for it to, but even if it did, like say this ended sometime in May and we did a show in mid June, like would people go? I don't know. Like, I don't like, or would people like, I think it's going to stick with people in weird ways. And like, I'm already like, you know, I, it's impossible to traumatize me. So I'm fine. But like, I think a lot of people, it's going to become like this sort of natural thing. I mean, we can, human beings can, can acclimate to themselves to things amazingly quickly. So yeah. I think like we're going to see a lot of people being like, well, it's, it's even if they know it's okay now, like they're going to be like, I don't know if I should go out. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there were, you know, people always talk about like depression babies and like w- the habits that you learned in the depression. Depression I mean, babies? You mean e-girls? Yeah, that's cute. That's very cute. Like economy girls. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like the habits that where it's like they're always going to have a crazy stocked pantry because mm-hmm. they knew they never knew where they were going to have food next or whatever, right? And we're going to see um I think have like like you're saying like kind of new and and really like like habits emerging that really change the behavior of society in ways that I think are unpredictable. Yeah. It's weird. Like I'm, I, I, I'm excited for it in a way just because I'm like, it's something's on the, we're on the move, but like, it's not, I'm not excited because I think it's going to be good. I want to be clear about that. Okay, so closing out, we have this last question. Um, This questioner says, I live alone in New York, already a very lonely place. I have a couple friends, but haven't seen them in months. I'm going nuts in my apartment. Is it going to be a year before I have any human contact? I just want someone to hold me. What do I do? Do I get an anime body pillow? Sea monkeys? Sea monkeys actually sounds... Okay to me. You can't hug a, hug a sea monkey. I, you can't wait, hug a sea monkey. Wait, the sea, a sea monkey. Um, that's the thing that you. That's like algae, right? Uh, I'm not it? sure. I used to see ads for them. I'm seeing a couple monkeys like, right now. Mm. <sighs> um, <laughs> 
So I, you know, I think the question of touch there is really important because I think that's like something that's on a lot of people's minds. I mean, I know, I'll say. I, I know like how important it is to, to have that from other people. I, I don't mean like even necessarily in like a sexual way at all. Uh, although that too, I think is, 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 is also on a lot of people's minds right now. But I, I think it's more like just that sort of like presence of another human being. Right. And like, it, it, you know, a lot of people are in studio apartments and spend all day by themselves. And it's like, I, I think it, 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 it is like, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're creatures that often rely on touch. I sound like a fucking like Ted talk guy, but no, like, you don't, it's important. We, we, like it is, it is, it is incredibly important. And like it, 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 it does drive you kind of crazy when you, when you don't have it, when you can't have it. And so it, it, is it going to last for a year? I doubt that. I bet, you know, even if, the, even if this does last for a year, this crisis, uh, which, which it very well might, I, I have a feeling they'll lift restrictions in the summer, mm-hmm. uh, in, at least in certain parts of the country, um, or if there are restrictions placed anywhere, which is not necessarily uh, – not a, not a guarantee to be the case. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to like – God, I, I don't know. I, 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 it, it, it's it's – it's, it's tough, you know. It's tough to not like have another person there that you can shake hands with, let alone hug or sleep next to. I know. I was I was saying earlier to the boys before we started recording that we're like face it. This is like the mass incelification of like American society. Like we're all incels now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. forced inceldom. Well, something that I have been thinking about because a friend of mine was saying this isn't so bad. I I love staying in. You know, I mean, so first of all, he lives in the suburbs in like a big house, and I'm here in the studio apartment. But I think this goes to what Brace was saying that I've always thought that like solitude is nice. Solitude to me is when you get to choose to be by yourself. But loneliness to me is when you don't get to choose to be by yourself. It's when you have no other choice. Um, And that in my mind has always been the distinction. So like, I enjoy solitude. I like, you know, leaving everybody and then going to my studio apartment and and hanging out and doing my own thing. But nobody likes loneliness. Loneliness is when you don't have a choice but to do that. Um, And so that's what we're faced with now. So I, I, I think that's the struggle, even for somebody like me who is an introvert, it's this place because starts to feel like a prison um, really quickly. So, um, yeah, I don't know what I have to offer in terms of uh, advice. I mean, I have been, I started, I committed to myself that I'm going to take a walk every day. Um, that's not like ever something that I've planned in my life before. Like I'm going to go on walks, but uh, I told myself I have to do it because I'm starting to feel really bad, like physically. Um, so I, yeah. I don't know if, if you're able to do that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I think like, I mean, I really don't know what to say to be honest. Like it's something that I've been struggling with like a lot and I kind of like, I don't know how much I want to say, but like, I definitely have had like a more than one breakdown about like, and it's not even, it's not like, oh, there's no one here or whatever, like that kind of anxiety. But like, there's this idea where of like, we don't know when the next time will be. Yes. And yes. I think that's like, what's so frightening about all of it. And what can it like, can really spiral your anxiety is because there's just, it, we're living in such a like liminal space in a lot of ways. And it feels, you know, you suddenly like, well, wait, when am I gonna like, you know, 
make out with someone again? When am I going to just like, you know, hug someone again or whatever you're going through, you know? Um, and it, you don't, you, you, you just have no idea. And it's, a, in a lot of ways, I mean, it's, a that's a question that I think like single people face, whether they know it or not, but it's like way more in your face when it's sort of like, there's a, it's like, um, because something is being like imposed on you. And I guess that's yes. kind of what you're getting into young Chomsky. Yeah. Like, because there's this like hard limit that's in your face, it's mm-hmm. bringing to the fore possibly like a lot of like already or previously simmering anxieties that you weren't even aware of, perhaps. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's really, you know, it's tough, you guys. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't have any like prescriptions other than if I don't know it to me, it's some comfort knowing that like, this is something everyone's feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the the best thing to deal with it is is not to just retreat into yourself. Although I think that is necessary in 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 some respects, but it is to maintain what connections you can maintain, even though it's it's this weird digital way of of talking to people, which I do not like, yeah. and I I yeah. never I have never Facetimed someone in my life. Same before this never in my life i don't need, i was always confused about why people wanted a video chat seems awful if i have to video chat with you you can't tell that i'm just looking at the internet while you're talking to me and i'm not <laughs> listening um but now i i love it i go on walks every day and by the way when when we say to go on walks if you live somewhere that is very crowded do not go walk yeah. there like i've been going to parks uh which are also very crowded but the one i go to like we've talked about is a cruising park and uh, thus, it is. There's, cruising is way down. Do not buy stock in uh, having anonymous sex in public. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I go on. Or I go on walks, I Facetime, and you know, sometimes I do. I've been reading this book about the the, the Bonapartes. It's a great book. Uh, Louis Louis Bonaparte is described as physically demented in it, which I thought was a really great great turn of phrase. Uh, but I've been going out, and I've been reading under a tree near me, and and sort of just like. The the walls, and and there's been so many times in my life when I've been in a room that I have not been able to leave, and I I, you get to know the walls very well, and it's like what I do is I sometimes fucking I'll go read a book in another room of my house, or I'll go do whatever in another room of my house, just because it makes and and a lot of people I know don't have multiple Mm. rooms, so I do have a one bedroom. Um, It it it's you got to get inventive, and you're gonna get lonely, and I think Mm -hmm. the best thing to do. It's to not wallow in that loneliness, but to connect with that loneliness and to harness that for something because it is one of the most powerful emotions that people can feel. I myself have felt it much of my life. Um, and, and it really it, – it can – like every emotion we have, you can harness it and you can sort of turn it into not necessarily a force for good as in like happiness, but a force for productivity and creativity. Yeah. And I think that's like the most important creativity, thing. Creativity, that's a really important one. I think that – yeah – yeah, I think you said that very beautifully, Brace. Yeah. Thank you. They call me Mr. Beautiful. I mean, <laughs> what I try to remember is this is this is bad. This hurts. Like you said, Liz, we're all going through it. And we don't know how long it's going to last. And it might be for a long time. And that is painful. And we don't know when it's going to end. But we have no choice but to deal with it. And I guess when I think about that, I'm like, well, I can either let this kind of destroy me or I can 
think about who am I going to be on the other side of this? Because there is going to be another side of this. We're going to make it. I'm telling myself that. I'm going to emerge from this. I'm going to see you two again. We're going to record all together in my apartment again. And who am mm-hmm. I going to be when that happens? I want to be better then than I am now. Uh, so I'm thinking, you know, not to like put pressure on myself, like I'm going to write a novel, I'm going to do Nano Corimo, um, but what? What National Corona Novel Writing Month. Um, All those novels are going to suck <laughs> shit. Yeah. Wait, I, is that a thing? No, I made it up. I don't know. It's probably a thing. Oh, oh, oh. Um, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but I'm saying, I don't know. I am trying to do like creative stuff. I'm like doing doing my push-ups and doing my chin-ups. You know, you can either let it kind of break you down or you can kind of try to build yourself up in whatever ways you can because life is going to go on in some way. So you just got to focus on that little tiny light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I guess um, just to clarify, I think, well, I don't know if this is what you meant, Brace, but I think it is like, I guess I I also I don't want people to like feel like they need to force themselves to do creative acts or whatever. I guess what I would say is to like piggyback on that is like we're going to have to get we have to use this as a way to harness creativity in order for like survival. And like mm-hmm. what I mean by that is. Like, we have to get creative in ways to, like, sustain ourselves from not going crazy. Mm. Like, we have to come up with new habits and, like, new routines and to, like, stave off all of the, you know, all of the overwhelming stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I just, I, I... Take it from somebody who has been in rooms for a long time or places where you can't leave for a long time, amounts of time. It always ends, right? Like, you don't, we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know what things are going to look like when it does end, but it always ends. And, like, that is something, okay, we don't have a precise date. Like, you know, there's no real clear vision of, of there's no, appears to be no plan from the federal government or from most local governments or state governments either. But this will end one day. And it's not the rest of your life, it's not the end of the world. So make the most of it is what I'm saying. What I've done is I've leaned in. I've become, I have become 100% the COVID man. And if I can do it, I'm worthless, right? I mean, I'm not worth. I'm actually, I'm, I, I quite like myself. But yeah, you're pretty I, good. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate myself. I, I will say that. But uh, I, I think what you got to do is to not go insane. You got to lean in and really like experience this, experience this. Don't let yourself just be depressed only watching Netflix or something. You got to go through it and you got to let it sort of forge you. Um, get the yeah. anime body pillow. Exactly. Also, you can get the anime body pillow, but due to the supply, supply line stuff, might not get it until uh, you're no longer uh, in the sort of space of mind where you want to have sex with a cartoon girl on a real pillow. <laughs> I assume that's what they do with them. Well, let's wrap this up, brothers and sisters. Yeah, we've gone long. Um, mm-hmm. That was fun. I always like proxy chatting with the listeners, which, by the way, we should plug again. We'll be doing that uh, twice a week now on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Trunon. Mm-hmm. You can check us out. I think we're, the next one we're doing is Sunday night. Yeah, 5 p.m. And we will be doing 5 p.m. Other, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We will be doing other shows, but that is that is uh, our, our our main drag for now. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I It's good to talk to you guys. We're doing this over video chat. I know you guys can't see us, but I can see them. And it's good to see other people's faces. Yeah, that's nice. Um, well, my name, of course, is uh, is Elizabeth Warren. 
I'm actually Liz. And I'm Young Chomsky. And, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein.